Go in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The restaurant has a sign that hangs in the window, and it says, Op- we're open, come in, or something like that. We're open. Uh, the gas station has a, a neon sign right above the door that just simply says, open, and you know you can go in and, and purchase whatever you need to get. Um, I've always wondered about the convenience stores, the 24-hour convenience stores that have locks on the door. If they're always open, why do they need the locks on the door? Or do they need a sign that says open because they're always open? And we know what this means, this sign, come in, do business, spend money, um, get what you need, purchase your things, be involved in a transactional relationship with us. We're interested in doing business with you. So if you're in the, the market for textiles or tea or gasoline or whatever, you know this is the place where you can go and be part of that and do business. It's like um, it's the sign that says closed that's so frustrating. When you need something and you go to the place where you know that they have it and you get there and it says closed and you look at your watch or boy your phone and look at the time and it's five minutes ago that they were closed. You know that they were open before then and now they're not. There's a warmer sign than simply open or closed. Um, churches have it oftentimes. Um, welcome. And sometimes we make it emphatic. All are welcome, as if to make sure that you know that, that you're in that welcome group. All are welcome. Come. Be part of uh, this, this gathering of people who gather to worship. It's not a transactional relationship. It doesn't matter who you are, or where you come from, whatever. Come. Be a part of this. I kind of thought about that, um, the um, 90s sitcom Cheers. You remember that? Where, where everyone knew your name. The place where you want to be, where you feel welcomed and, and, and at home. And maybe tonight, um, maybe you live somewhere else, but you're together with people that you love and you're at home. It's funny how you can leave home and go home, isn't it, at the same time. And, and being at home is, is the place you want to be. It's the, it's the warm place, the place that makes you feel like these people want you. They like you. They don't just tolerate you. And they're not even looking for a transactional relationship. They just want to enjoy you. The flip side of the open and welcome is, of course, the no trespassing sign, isn't it? I mean, this is the, no, you're not welcome here. Do not come here. Get away. I remember when I lived in Kentucky, I saw this farm, and there was a no trespassing sign, and it said in big, bold letters, no trespassing. And the next line, violators will be shot. And then on the third line, survivors will be shot again. (laughs) You don't come here. Shoo, get away. You're not welcome. No ambiguity. No trespassing is the polar opposite of welcome. I always wonder if people who have a no trespassing sign on their property, if they also have a welcome mat at their front door. I mean, that would be a mixed signal, wouldn't it? Don't come, but yes, you're welcome if you do. Um, Nobody likes the no trespassing sign, except maybe Ron Swanson, if you ever watch Parks and Rec. Great line from him. I once worked with a guy for five years and never knew his name. Best friend I ever had. Um, you know, if that's your kind of mentality, then maybe no trespassing is okay. Uh, we like to, um, to know that we're welcome. My uh, best friend is a Mennonite pastor in northwestern Pennsylvania. And he loves everything about his home. 
He grew up about a few miles from where he lives now, and he's just always been enamored with Pennsylvania. He especially loves the Pennsylvania State University and all of its sporting programs. So naturally, this year when Ohio State beat Penn State in football, I let it simmer overnight. And on Sunday morning, because he's a Mennonite pastor up getting ready for work, I called him and disguised my voice. And I said to him, Pastor, I have a real problem and I need your help. And he said, sure, what can I do for you? And I said, I'm having a real problem with humility. And he said, really, a problem with humility? What kind, what's the sort of nature of your problem? And then I said, after Ohio State beat Penn State, I don't have any of it, you know? <laughs> And then he realized who it was. And in a very passive fashion said, Joe, I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> Welcome. Open. You're at home. No trespassing. Different signs. And the ones you know that you want to see and the ones that you don't want to see. I was stunned as I was reading through Luke's gospel again this year. I read through the same passage every year, and every year it's the same story. Every year there's something that just jumps off the page and just sort of hits me. And, and this one was this year, chapter 2, verse 7. And she that is married gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them, no place for them in the inn. Luke wrote this in Greek, not in English. And part of university training for priests is to learn to read Greek. And so I read this passage first in Greek. As I'm reading through it, I realize that the word that Luke uses for inn is not a commercial inn. He doesn't mean like, you know, the day's inn, the Holiday Inn Express. This is not what he's talking about. In the ancient world, um, people were welcomed into homes, whether family or friends or just total strangers. Hospitality was central to the Middle Eastern ethos. It still is to this very day that people will welcome you into their home. I was in Jerusalem, and this uh, fellow was trying to sell me something, and I said to him, I don't really want to buy anything. And he said, well, then when you come in and have tea with me? <laughs> well, of course I will. And so we went in and we had tea. Um, this, is, this is the Middle Eastern ethos that you were to be welcome in. And the word that Luke uses, kataluma, is a guest room. It's a room that people would keep in their home for travelers, for guests. And so you have a room that's set aside for guests in a private home. This is what Luke says. There was no room for them in the Cataluma, in the guest room. I wonder why there was no room for a pregnant woman in the guest room. You know, in, in the ancient world, they had these two-story houses. So you would have the, the second story would be all the living quarters with the Cataluma, the guest room up there as well. And then below, you would have livestock. This is where you kept your chickens that produced your eggs and your chickens that produced your chicken and all your whatever animals. And you would be down below. Everybody would have this sort of home. And Mary and Joseph are down there with the livestock in the lower level of this home because there's no room for them in the Cataluma. And I begin to speculate. Pure speculation. Total conjecture here. But why is it that they're not in that room? I mean, she's a pregnant woman. Of course, you would think that she would be the first one. I mean, Aunt Mabel's in that room, you know? Uncle Festus, who's in that room that they don't have room for Mary there? And then I begin to think, well, Joe, maybe, maybe Mary in humility deflects the offer. No, I'll take the lower level. I'm just fine down there. And that's a possibility. 
But maybe it's just the scandal. The scandal of a young, pregnant, unmarried woman in the home. Because then I caught the pronoun. There was no room for them, Joseph and Mary. There's no room for them. And so there they are in this lower level, in the room where the, 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 the livestock live, and a baby is born. The baby comes and, um, and Mary wraps the baby herself. This is a really interesting text, too, because in the ancient Near Eastern world, if a woman was having a baby, there would be other women there. There would be midwives who would come to assist. I mean, they would just be coming in from wherever. This is what they did. And Mary herself wraps her baby. And where are the ones who help her? Where are the people who are around? No one. Guests eventually do arrive. What kind of guests? Shepherds. Shepherds who were out watching their flocks by night. Shepherds were the lowest rung of the social ladder, the most dubious of all people, the, the, the peasant of all peasants, shepherds. Shepherds were viewed by the religious people as not being trustworthy. They were not allowed to give um, testimony in court. They weren't, they weren't viewed as, as trustworthy people. And shepherds show up. And they come to see this thing that they heard from an angel. I, mean, I can just imagine, it's like almost the stuff of Monty Python, isn't it, right? You know, that these shepherds, they come in and they're like, you know, hey, so we heard that there was a baby born and um, Messiah, Lord, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. And this just doesn't happen. And they see it. And it's exactly like it's supposed to be. Oh, Luke. Why would you write this story like this? I mean, if I can discover this 21 centuries later, imagine how it sounded to people who live there. Imagine how scandalous it must have been. Why would you write a story like this? Because it's true. That's why you would write a story like this. Because it's true. You would never make this story up. There are made up stories of, of virgin births and gods that come into the world and you would not believe the splendor and the grandeur of their, their, their births. Nobody writes this story. And I think another reason, and maybe this is just for us, because if you've ever felt left out, if you've ever felt edged to the side, Unwelcome. Have you ever felt like you had that perpetual no trespassing sign put up in front of you on a regular basis? This is the gospel's way of saying God knows what that's like. If you've ever felt the sting of not being wanted, you're wanted. You are the reason for Christmas. God does not come because he needs to do it. He comes for you as a gift for you. Maybe tonight or tomorrow or maybe already you've opened some gifts. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> and if you don't, come see me. I'll give you them. Um, but maybe if you would just have this little gift and it's this that I think this gospel lesson says to every one of you here and even to me that we matter. We matter to God. We matter to this world. That if you and you alone were in this world, that Christ came for you. What a great gift that is. 
Luke leaves us with one little precious image. The shepherds come and they go. They, they, they leave excited. People are marveling at what they're saying because it seems like they shouldn't know how to predict this, and yet they have. And, and then he leaves us with this little line, and Mary gathered up all these things, and she treasured them and pondered them in her heart. And maybe tonight, as you go forth from here, and you celebrate however you celebrate, that you'll take a moment somewhere along the way to ponder that gift, that you matter. You matter to God, and you matter to this world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me? United historic confession of the Christian faith, the words of the Nicene Creed. 